Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Power Forgiveness Podcast. My name is Dwayne Staten, and I want to thank you for tuning in for another episode. This podcast is meant to help those toward the path of forgiveness, for the ones who have been hurt, heartbroken, forever changed by something that was said or done to them, which changed their mindset, the course of their relationships, their future, and even their life in general. With this podcast, I speak about the lessons I've learned from forgiveness, and I give it to you, the audience. Today, I have everybody's favorite cousin on TikTok, Stacey Robertson, with me. And on this episode, she talks about how she had to forgive her mother and how her mother asked her to forgive her for how she was parented. And not only that, before her mother passed away, her mother said to her that she was the mother that she always wanted to be. That was powerful. This episode is definitely something you do not want to miss. Also, for all the new and current listeners, please leave us a five-star written review on iTunes. It helps the podcast get more reach. And now, here's the episode. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Power Forgiveness Podcast. My name is Dwayne State, and today I have everybody's favorite cousin from TikTok, Stacey Robertson. Say hello. Hey, cousin. This my good cousin. Hey, y'all. This your good cousin. Yes, it is. I'm telling you right now. Another fun cousin. Yo, I'm going to tell you right now. You know everybody got those cousins. They, You got some ones who are quiet, like keep themselves. Some are a little bit out there, just a little bit. And then you got them cool cousins. You just like, I need to look for them when you go to the cookout. Yes. Stacy's that cousin. I'm going to say that flat out. I'm going to say that flat out. So... When I found her on TikTok, I was just looking at her videos and I was just laughing from all the videos. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this person is like real, she's honest and she's upfront. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay. I had to get you on the podcast. So honestly, thank you for doing this. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate this opportunity and I appreciate you for reaching out to me because when you reached out to me, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right, girl. Yo, I go a lot. Like when I first uh messaged you i was like she probably got eight million followers got the one weirdo asking about the podcast i was like lord if it's and your I will answer my i try to answer my i do i try to answer everybody's message yeah i try I, to i get it and i was yeah. like i was praying i said lord <laughs> if it's in your will please make it happen and here we are and here we go cousin let's go let's yeah. go yeah let's go so <laughs> I want to start out with this icebreaker question really quick. Okay. So what is your favorite tradition or holiday? So my favorite tradition mm. and or a holiday, and I don't know if it's a holiday or a tradition, is my birthday. Yeah, <laughs> facts. That's a fact. It's a fact. And the reason why, but there's a reason behind it. Because yeah. my mother's birthday is October 20th. My birthday is October 24th. And she always made our birthday is about us. Yeah. And so now that she's not here, because, you know, growing up, I'm like, oh, Lord, here she come. Yeah. Okay, my birthday. I didn't appreciate it, right? Yeah. So then as I got older, we go to the casino and hang out. But now that she's no longer here, it's so much special to me now. Yeah. I used to reflect. Yeah. Like, I went out of town. But I, I used to hate my birthdays. But now I really celebrate now with this pandemic because so many people have not made it. Yeah. Oh my so gosh, that's, that's true. 
That's yes. my favorite annual holiday tradition. <laughs> yeah, I ain't mad at it. And yeah. for me, I, you took my ask, it's going to be mine. So <laughs> the reason why for me is this. I always like my birthdays. Okay. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say what? Like, year, I can't remember how long ago. When I found out that a friend of mine in church was like, yo, I'm celebrating my birthday. When was it? Oh, Monday. Bro, it's like Thursday. I'm celebrating the whole week of my birthday. I found out you could do that. We do that. We take off from work. We start start the countdown. Yo, I was like, you can celebrate past your birthday. And they're like, yeah. Man, I was like, y'all should have told me that. I took off week (laughs) (laughs) off work. It was like, wait, where you going? Because it's my birthday. It's hello, it's my birthday. (laughs) Exactly. When I found that out, I was like, oh my gosh. We will celebrate our birthday for the whole month. Like yeah. what? You are absolutely right. And I just um, started a tradition, I'm going to say this year, just started. So for my birthday, I go to this restaurant in D.C. It's called Mastro's Steakhouse, right? Okay. Now the food is good. Don't get me wrong, but it's the dessert. It's called the butter cake. Mm, that sounds good. Mmm. To die. <laughs> Yo, I, look, here's the thing. I usually don't eat desserts at restaurants. I really don't. Right. I don't my like dad. It. He's a baker and he's like honestly okay. the best baker I know. And he taught me all this. He taught me how to bake. Uh-huh. So when I was like, let me just try Cause my wife was like, Dwayne, we gonna try this butter cake. Cause I heard it got rave views. I said, sure. Why not? Yeah. Went, tried that butter cake. I literally almost smacked somebody. I said, why didn't you tell me it was this good? <laughs> why didn't you tell me it was this good? Like, and then they put vanilla ice cream on the joint. I was like, I'm too through. So at Lord willing, every year on my birthday, I'm going to go to Mastro's just to get that cake. I don't care about nothing else. (laughs) I'm getting that cake. That's that. I understand. I understand. That's real. So, so I'm really glad that you are here. Like, honestly, genuinely, I'm so glad you are here. So the thing, you gave me a snippet of your story and I was just like, we have to record this. We have to. So (laughs) honestly, the stage is yours. Please share your story. Okay. So we were talking about earlier, the question was posed, what um, a person that I forgave. So we talk about forgiveness. You know, we talk about, about, I call it that Medea mantra where, you know, you don't forgive them for you, for for them and you do it for you. You know, you're like, whatever. Sometimes yeah. you struggle in that area. That's facts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think I'm glad that you brought up that topic because it's so powerful. Forgiveness is so powerful, right? And so my journey to forgiveness, um, I mentioned with my mom and I talked about like just how abusive my mom was um, in therapy. I'm in therapy now and I actually got into therapy after my mom died. Um, and not just so much grief. It's just like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot. Like a lot of emotions are going on. I'm angry. I'm mad. Like the whole seven stages of grief, it showed up at my front door and parked itself. So I said, okay, I need to really work on this because I have children and I don't want this to, you know, um, affect how I'm raising them. And so, um, and I don't know if you want to go back into what I said earlier. Cause I yes, uh, Yes. Like this is brand new. Yeah. So my mom, through therapy, I realized she was abusive. She was abusive um, verbally and she was abusive physically. And my mom had my, I had three of us. It's my brother. He's seven years older than me. It's, I'm in the middle. I'm seven years younger than him. And my sister is seven years younger than me. Triple seven, all sevens. Yeah. Jackpot, go ahead. Right. 
And so um, my mom had my brother when she was 19. She had graduated high school like a year before and she had my brother and she got married. So she got married really young with a baby. You know, she would say, Stacy, I didn't know how to be a mother. I was a child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she uh, left my, my brother's dad because he was abusive. He was physically oh, abusive to her. Yeah. And then she married my dad. Well, when she married my dad, my dad had a really good job, you know, bought a house they got married they had me she said that was like one of the happiest times in her life because in 1978 she was like girl I was ordering like your bedroom set from Chicago like back in the day I guess that was some big thing you know so you just talked about that lifestyle she lived and how she would have diaper service and there's all these things she said was just one of the most happiest times of her life but then she had my sister and she had my sister shortly after our house burned down oh no yeah and then um, and she said to me that she struggled with when she found out she was pregnant because she didn't want any more children. Mm. And so she said that impacted how she treated my sister. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. she owned it. Like she owned it. You know, like I told you, once she got to the latter year of her life and she was dying and it wasn't a thing like, oh, she died a week. Like my mom was in hospice for over a year. So as she's coming to terms with she's dying, she's really starting to dissect and think and reflect because that's what people do. When they die, that's what I found out. Like when they die or dying, they are just reflecting on their lives, their experiences and all these things. Yeah. So in therapy, I'm like talking to my therapist. I'm just talking about different things that happen. And I'm like, I I was abused. I was verbally and physically abused. But the abuse started after my dad lost his job. And then my dad dad, um, became addicted to drugs. And when I said addicted to drugs, he wasn't like stealing the TV or he wasn't, he just wasn't making the money he was making before. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. So he would get paid before, bring the money home back in the day. My mom would pay the bills, give him his little money, but he would come home with half of his little paycheck. And then he'd go and then he was on cocaine. He wasn't on no crack. So that's yeah. an expensive high, right? That's yeah. A, you know, people, people who don't know. So my mom struggled. My mom had to get our job. She used to work at a drugstore. She worked at a clothing store. She used to work at a um, in a um, shopping mall parking lot, picking up trash. So she had to do a lot to keep the family going. Of course. And I, I think it, it, it sparked bitterness, anger, rage, and she would just take it out on us. Um, I remember my mom cursing me out. I remember... And it was, you know, this is my experience. It wasn't the abuse. I'm not going to say like she would come home every day and beat us, but it was abuse. And my mom would always say, I have three of y'all. She said, I have three of y'all. Your brother, if I tell him something's hot, he's going to just put his hand right on the stove. Your sis, you, you're going to hover and then you're going to back away. Your sister, she wants to know how many molecules in it, how hot is it, what's the temperature. (laughs) Well, you know, because again, people who, anybody who lives who have children, you're going to get that, ch- that child that's going to test you. You're going to get yeah. that child that's going to push back. My sister was the one that was the mirror for my mother. And that was super frustrating for her. Wow. It was, was academically phenomenal in school. So she would be reading and she would say things to her like, you know, you need to use your words and you, you, know, you don't really have emotional intelligence. You know, you really struggle with communicating. Wow. Right? Wow. My brother and I would look at her like, girl... <laughs> girl girl you bold but again she was the baby she was the youngest and my mom was at that point she was just tired right yeah yeah so you know back to my personal experience and 
you know, talking about forgiveness. And I really started to forgive my mother and working on actively forgiving her when I had my first child. So I had my daughter at 22. Yeah. I was a child myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't have the, you know, people 22, 23, 24, that's too young to be mm. a parent. You're not mentally, emotionally mature enough. I don't care that you can drink and you can buy alcohol, you can smoke cigarettes. You're not mature enough. And so I talked about the situation with my daughter's father. Um, I had her. Then I found out like some infidelity was going on. He had another child. Oh. So I left him when I found out about that because back in therapy, you know, my mom dealt with that with my dad and I was just wasn't going to deal with it. You know, I wasn't right. going to deal with nobody come knocking on my door with no child talking about, oh, this is baby girl. You can have him. I'm out. But it built up a lot of resentment, like a lot oh. of anger. So my mom, back to the forgiveness. So my mom, when she was dying, she said, you know, I'm sorry, you know, if I've done anything to hurt you. And I know I've done a lot of things and I messed a lot of things up. But she said before she died, well, before she died, she said, I'm sorry, you know, please forgive me. Um, I was only working from what I had. And I didn't have, you know, because my sister has a master's degree. She's working on a PhD. I have a master's degree. And so she said, I didn't have the education. I didn't. She said, I'm, I, I was living in survival mode. You know, she said, I didn't want y'all to come home and the lights was off or the water was off. She said, so, and then she said, I did things to take care of y'all that I, I would never tell you. So it's those things that, you know, my parents eventually divorced and all of that, all that stuff, but my mama bought a house and all of these things. But as a mother, I really and truly understand now. I, I When I had my daughter, I understood. And once I had my daughter, my mom and our relationship got better. It got stronger. Because I extended grace because I'm like, girl, like I'm educated. I have a decent job and this is hard. I can't imagine not having the education, not having the resources and trying to do this all on your own. And you have a husband who's not providing in the manner that he should provide. So... I'm not at all, you know, excusing what she did, but I had to forgive her. Mm -hmm. I had to extend that grace to her because she did come back. And unlike a lot of people, she did apologize and she did acknowledge that she hurt us. And so that, that is my story on forgiving my mom, <laughs> you know, and I think about it, you know, I think about it often. I think about the fact that I, again, I was so, I was so lucky to have her to say, I'm sorry. And to all three of us, you know, I'm yeah. so, I, I'm so sorry. And I know I caused damage and I know that I've caused you guys mental, you know, mental anguish. And she said, you know, it hurts me that I've inflicted that kind of pain on my children. Cause that was never her test. Cause she did, she loved us, but it was just, like I said, she just didn't have the emotional intelligence to regulate her feelings. You know, so when I see kids and my mom never, you know, the black family, my mom never would be in the street piling and screaming and calling y'all kind of stupid bees, but it was behind closed doors. So when I see children, parents out there in the street doing it, it triggers me. Like it affects me when I see mothers chastising their children and cursing them out. And it just, it, it triggers me yeah. because I'm like, you don't know the emotional damage you're doing to your child because I turned into a people pleaser. I, if I do whatever she said do, if I if I follow the rules, then you know she I won't have to hear her mouth. I won't have to you know deal with her coming in here with a belt at two o'clock in the morning because there's a there's two folks in the sink. You know, 
you know, and it's not about the faults in the sink. It's about all the other stress that she's under. And now that I'm a mother, I have the emotional intelligence to say, it's not about the, it's not about what's happening right now. It's about the fact that I'm stressed out. I got to help you with homework. This job is getting on my nerves. I'm going to curse my boss out and fight in the parking lot, but I can't do that because I got to work. I have to show up. Good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm like, amazing. It's so cold, right? You know what I mean? I saw the code switch. I'm not going to let that slip. <laughs> yes. You got to switch it off and on. I'll be, be fighting these demons with this die, with this, with this accent. Okay. Facts. But I get it now. I yeah. get it how as parents we can get overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and my mom said to me, you're the mother I always wish I could have been. Wow. That's another, oh. you know, that was another little nugget she gave me. She said, you are the mother. She said, I look at you with your children and you are the mother that I always wanted to be. And I'm like, girl, you just don't know the anxiety I struggle from not reverting back to the way I was raised and not knocking one of these kids out. <laughs> so, and that's a struggle because when you have been abused and that's what you see and that's what you know, your first instinct is to go to that. It takes more energy to calm yourself down and say, let me talk to this child and calm my nerves down. Let me take a break. Sometimes I have to tell my kids, look, I need, I need a few minutes. Let me take a, let me take a step back. Yo, that's real. Because the Stacey with the mother who will curse you out, I'm about to punch you in the throat and you can't do that. You know, no. you're trying to be better. Yeah, of course. Better. Of course. Like that, <laughs> it, it's, it's real. Keep going. It's real. I'm with yeah, you. I'm so with that's you. the thing. That's the struggle for me. I struggle with that. Like I have to actively say, okay, I need to talk to this child. I need to get to the root of what's going on. Cause it's not the action. It's what, what is going on? Yeah. Right. And so my yeah. mom has watched me. My daughter's 20. My mom, my daughter, my mom was 18 when my daughter died. I mean, my, my daughter was 18 when my mom died and 19 when my daughter died. So she's watched that whole span of me raising my, I've raised her. My son's eight. So she's watched that. And she said, it's just amazing how you are so much different in your parenting than I am. I'm like, girl, I'll be here fighting demons. It's, <laughs> it's real. Dads. It's real. Like that's... And I'm actively in therapy, like talking to my therapist because that's a safe space where I can say my 20 year old, I want to slap the out of her. I want to punch the out of her. You know, so it's a safe space. <laughs> but I have to say, so Maddie, when you did that, how did it make you feel? What were you thinking? Let's unpack that. You know, I'm always telling her, let's unpack this. So what's going on? So what's the underlying issue? Let's talk about it. That's exhausting. When you come from an environment where we where we we hit, we cuss out, and we don't we don't say sorry. So I'm actively apologizing to my children when I, you know, when I messed up or, you know, because I'm not perfect. I'm pretty sure my daughter is in her therapist session telling her therapist things about me. We aren't perfect. You're right. No, we're not and there's no way you know people say oh I want to have a child when I'm mentally stable and I'm not saying people should have kids when they're not where they need to be mentally but that's going to always be a challenge there's no look you may not like me you may not beat your kids but you may look at them like girl you about to take me back to the night wall you about to take Slim, me back. like oh my gosh I just want to I just want to <laughs> like if I can just karate chop you in the throat without it being illegal like, but like, but you're right. It, it takes all, it takes, it takes strength to do that. Yes. It's especially from us when we come from these environments where the first is physical, go get the belt, go get the switch, go get the shoe. When that's our, when that's all we've known to kind of, not kind of the work actively to say, okay, 
it's it's something else. What's going on? Talk to me. I ain't gonna lie. I got a little I bit really of fear in my chest up. when you said that. I got a little bit of fear in my chest when you said this. I get this like, mm. like you, you know, talking through your teeth. Citrus, you know. So, but I'm actively again my parenting. I'm actively working on it because I know that people pleasing that I struggle, you know, struggle with. Been working through that in therapy, wanting to make everybody happy and not really address my needs and feeling in you know everybody's cup, being a superwoman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, are you, you know, it's like, are you okay? And it's like, we don't have to have magic pajamas for Christmas. I don't care. Just, you know, and it's, you know, you ask a question about traditions, you know, for my mom, we have to dress up and, and it's like, I'm not doing that to my kids. Just come sit at this table, sit down and eat. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to put on a pretty dress and get your hair combed and just, just sit down. Let's eat. Let's be thankful. We have a food, food to eat in the house to live in. So, Thanks. you know, just really being conscious of things also that trigger me because it's some stuff still do from that Absolutely. abuse you know some of that stuff because for me honestly one of the things that I took away from this also is that I don't like people talking to me in an aggressive tone I don't like people yeah. like it I'm about to walk off this good job and I'm about to beat my manager up in a parking lot and I don't even care so it's like girl you have to work on that you have to work on when somebody speaks to me in an aggressive tone i'm ready to like go off yeah, yeah. or i just shut down yeah 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 you know what i mean so it's again i'm a working i'm 43 years old i'm a work in progress and we all have to admit that you're constantly learning evolving growing you know and just try to be conscious of those traumas and that you don't inflict you know inflict that on your children yeah. you know yeah first off <laughs> wow no that was beautiful that's beautiful you said so many gems and i'm gonna unpack some of them so earlier you said you had built up a lot of resentment mm -hmm. so the question that i have is like what did you do with that resentment like what did you do with all of it? so the unhealthy stacy <laughs> i would i use that resentment to fuel my success to mm. fuel so, and that's another thing we do. If somebody does something to hurt us or somebody does something, you know, we we put it into work or we put it into school or we put it into, we focus on, oh, I'm going to show them. You know, I'm going to show them that I'm, 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 that I can do this in terms of, you know, with my mom. And I just constantly, you know, once, again, being in therapy, realized that I had to start putting me first. So as women, we always talk about this, like, you know, when I turned 43, my birthday came up. I booked the booked the Airbnb, told my family I'm out. I'm gonna be gone. So I'm gonna be out two to four business days. Don't call me, don't text me, don't reach out to me. Yeah, yeah. You are I'm gonna do not disturb. Right. And so in therapy, I took that time. I did yoga, I journaled, I cried, I cried a whole lot this yeah, yeah, yeah. birthday, right? I release a lot of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because so many times we don't check in with ourselves. No, so we don't. We do not. You just on. And so for me, I said that, you know, 43 years old, I tell my sister, girl, I know I'm still in, I'm living in survival mode. I'm working on it. I know, but I actively know that. And so for me to take this trip and to take, this, take that time to really focus on me was so influential. Yeah. So I came back from that trip saying to myself, okay, Stacey, 
what's your extra exit strategy? You've been in higher education for since 2011. You're not yeah. happy. Your, your heart's not in it. What are you going to do? You need to start really thinking about an ex- exit strategy. You got a job, it's, you know, it's, it's decent, it's cushy, but you're not happy. You dragging up in the morning. So what are you going to do to fix that? What are you going to do to do with that? And what are you going to do with that? And so resentment can fester in, I have anxiety. Resentment can come up and I'm depressed. Resentment can come up in anger. So you have to make the conscious decision. See all these people walking around, oh, I'm sick. Oh, I got, baby, you got a lot of resentment. You got a lot of bitterness. Your heart is haunting. You have a hard heart. It's not that you have anxiety. It's that you have so much stuff bottled up inside of you. You have so much stuff bottled inside you that it's affecting your health. And I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> so I'm not like preaching. You know, I had a spiritual mother who I met with and I, she said to me off, off, off top, off rip, she said, you have a lot of things that you suppress. You have a lot mm. of things you don't say. You have a lot of things that you let slide and what you do is you blow up. Mm. And it reminds me of my, my mother when it puts me in that space. When I'm just, when I blow up, I've done it. I've yeah. done it. So yeah. how are you actively doing the work? Because it's hard. Like it's Absolutely. Hard. You know, we have this society where, you know, I have anxiety, I'm depressed. And I'm not saying people don't have those things. People have a lot of PTSD, a lot of trauma, a whole lot of trauma. But it's a lot of things that we are suppressing. And there's a lot of times in relationships on jobs where things come up and we don't speak and we just yeah. hold it and we harbor it in yeah, and we yeah. keep it in. And just like Thanksgiving coming up, we're going to go to the family function and we're not going to blow the lid off of what's really going on here. We're going to smile and we're going to say, happy Thanksgiving. I love you. And we'll have a happy, a good dinner. Yeah. And you can have a good dinner, but you're going to still go home with that on your back. Still uh, on your heart, still yeah, on your mind. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? The trauma, the abuse, the sexual assault, the competitiveness. A lot of these families, we compete with each other. You know, oh, my daughter, a nurse. Oh, my daughter in law school. My daughter, you know, it's a lot of competitions. A lot of our families, we sit up here and we gather for these holidays and we dysfunctional. Yeah. But we don't say anything. And I'm not saying go to the family function and say, oh, Uncle such and such molested me. But we're not having these real conversations. They're fake relationships. Facts. So what I've learned to do is my family size for my TikTok video, some things have happened has been reduced substantially. Yeah. My, my family is, is substantial. I just don't deal with it. I'm not, I cannot deal with you. I, you're toxic. This is too much going on. Facts. I, let me remove myself because I'm facts. not going to sit and nice anymore. Yes, yeah, facts. You know, I'm not about to do all this to get Auntie Gumbo. It's, it's fine. I'll make my own Gumbo at home. Like, facts. I'm not about to, you know, and that's what we do. We do that. You know, we drag on some of us to holidays and we just go, you know, and we're not happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. So resentment will eat up and fester, you know. So I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot. Child, if somebody read that journal, they would think I'm a psychopathic Christian. Like, how she, what, what is this? <laughs> she a Christian? She a psychopath? To be honest with you, to be honest with you, how much you bet people are probably going to have the same things in their journal that you got. Right. So as you write, and then as you journal, what I learned is you go back and you start reflecting like, oh, girl, that's you. You were in that place. You were. Yeah. If the police read this, you will be sitting in prison. (laughs) If the FBI got a hold of this, 
honey, you will be sitting in jail. The threats. The- oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to say this right now. You just spit nothing but facts. So, ladies and gentlemen, the altar is open and Pastor Bishop Stacey Robinson is taking, <laughs> taking um, no. off love offerings right now. So, just I lay. Now, I don't want another. You know I mean, so lay your offerings on the altar. It's, <laughs> it's open and free. It is <laughs> open and free because that's real. And the, you said another thing that was key that I feel like we as Black people, we operate off a of survival mode. That's it. Because it's like, that's, that's all we know. That's my home. Thing, that's where I roam. That's where I'm familiar. And, and the thing is, it's crazy. And you, have to are, consciously, you have to consciously work when you're doing something like, okay, bitch, you're in survival mode. Bring it down. Like, I'm, no, I'm so much more conscious now. And it's not, here's the crazy part. We are in all classes of society, upper class, middle class, lower class it don't matter we still in survival mode and it's crazy how that works right i mean like we 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 we've come so far Mm. so far we 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 had a black man the presidential in the the white house yeah yeah we've had we we have we have gone so far but yet we we're always in survival mode that's that is that's huge that is that is monumental cousin like in real life that is so serious it is and when you said that that your mom when you said your mom was working off a survival mode i was just like you're not the only one mama like straight survival mode and my mom had high anxiety yeah like it was so extreme to the point where she was sick and I would help her go to the bathroom. She would be shaking. And I'm like, Ma, I would like look in her face and say, breathe, just breathe. You're yeah. fine. You're okay. It's okay. You're safe. And so, and she's like, literally her body would be so stiff. And it's like, yeah. relax. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm here with you. This, we like real talk. We are definitely living in survival mode and it manifests itself in everything. It does, don't it? Every single thing, our reactions, our conversations, what we do, what we think, like it definitely shows up in our everyday life and we're not even aware of it, some of us. And that's the crazy part, it is. And another thing that I, I wanted to say, cause I saw this meme and, um, and I think I wanted you, I wanted to get your opinion on because I think this may have related to you. Okay. A lot, it was a meme that said, and I'm paraphrasing. Okay. A lot of us, as we were growing up, watched our parents grow up. Oh, uh, yeah. I was 22. I was able to drink and I had a baby the next year. They gave me this baby. World talk. I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Yep. Like what, what I literally told my mom, so she has to come home with me. And like, she, she has to come home with me. And I'm like, well, who's she going to go home with? Yeah, she's going home with you, girl. What's wrong with you? I had the same thing when I had my son. They were just like, all right, here you go. I'm like, what you mean? I got to give this to the dad. Oh, that's me. Um, yeah. Because again, this is the thing. Think about it like this. When I had my last child, when my husband and I left out of the hospital, the experience was totally different. I'm married, father active, he'd been that little pregnancy, just so in love yeah. with his son, that's his son, blah, blah, blah. 
I cried like a baby. Yeah. I was crying like a maniac. They're yeah, really yeah, yeah. There's two reasons why I'm crying. One, because my experience has been so different from my mm -hmm. first, from my daughter. And second, I'm taking home a Black child, a Black son, not a child, a Black son. And the emotions of that just overtook me. I'm responsible for these two human beings. I'm responsible yeah, yeah. for them because when the murderer, murder people, they don't say what a daddy. They say, what was his mom? That, and especially I- Especially us, especially us. Now- That's real. Get, where are his parents? But us, where, where's his mom? Yeah, that's the main, that's, that always happens when it's a son. Where, where was his mom? Where's his mother? And so the reality of it, you know, my son was born in 2013. The reality of it is I have a black son. Yeah. And at 22 years old, I wanted a son. I cried. I act when I tell you, I acted a fool, but I re I realized that God didn't give me a son because I wasn't ready for a son. I wasn't ready to be the mother of a black boy at 22 years old. Absolutely not. Now my daughter and I, we grew up together. We experienced, we experienced some things together. But I know the experience that my daughter and I had would have been totally different from my son. Mm -hmm. In terms of my daughter, I was, you know, and they, and they talk about that. My sister said, I gave my daughter the life I, I, I wanted. I gave her the life that I wanted. So she was equestrian. She did cello, violin. I gave her a white life, which I thought at that time was a good thing. No, gotcha, I regret gotcha. that. I regret that. I totally, I told anybody, I regret putting my daughter in these all white spaces with, the, mm. you know, she was struggling. She was struggling with identity as she got older. It was a lot. So I'm thinking I'm doing what's best for her. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're going, you know, you're going to your best friend's summer home for the summer and there's an elevator and y'all like on the beach. Yeah. I thought I was doing the right thing, but it really made my child question her identity. Yeah, I get sense. that. I get that. And so my daughter and I, we became super, super close. We were, we were, we are extremely close. And I remember telling her like at 12 years old, I was like, one day you're going to hate me. She's like, mom, that's, like, mom. That's, what she, that's what you, that's what you pay for. Mom, I would never hate you. You're my best friend. 16 came and our relationship shifted. Now yeah. she's 20 and we're, she's finding her way back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, With my son, I would have just been giving him anything he wanted, doing anything, and especially with a black boy. Yeah. Especially with a black boy. Yeah. Then when I say to the point, because I saw it with my mom, when I say to the point, son, I can't buy you $500 shoes. Then what, then what you go outside and do? Or what I, I can't provide that for you. Then what, then what you do? And that's how a lot of these young boys start selling drugs and getting into trouble because when mom, dad say, well, I can't, I, I'm not paying for that. Then you go out and find other ways, other means to make it. Like my gotcha. daughter, I would tell her, no, she was just like, okay, mom. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, she took it a little yeah. bit better. And I, I really believe that. And I think too, thinking back on it, when my mother had my brother in 19, she just gave him every single thing he wanted. So my brother's 40, I'm 43. He's, he's, about, he's 49, he's about to be 50. And that's what he did. He just started selling drugs. Mm -hmm. And that was a whole other story for a whole other time. I could write a book on that. <laughs> I was just about to suggest that you need to do it. I would, that, that's just, you know, me planting the seed. But 
Uh, but definitely when people say, I mean, to cut you off, but definitely people say, you know, you have a child young. When you have a child young, you're definitely growing up with that child. Me and my son and I, we're not growing up together. We're not. Yeah. I'm, I, I had him. I was 37. But we ain't going. We, we not. We, 35. We're That's not going real. up together. I didn't been around the block. That's real. That's you know what real. I mean? That's real. So I know not giving him everything and putting him in these all white spaces. I know that's not going to be beneficial to him. That's why he's in a all black school now. With all black children. And I'm a, this funny thing is I identify. I'm gonna say me personally. I'm gonna tell my experience. I I say I'm identify a little bit with your daughter because my mom put me in private schools at an early age. Yes. And she was just like, you know, she she wanted me to get the education. She wanted me to learn yes. more because mm-hmm. yeah, because she was like education wasn't stressed for her when she was younger. So she wanted to be stressed important for, for me. You. So. When I was in the Montessori schools, I was in the Lutheran schools. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I learned, but at the same time, I really don't remember much. I learned a little bit of Spanish, but that's neither here nor there. My, my daughter, that's, yeah. My mom said this to me, and I will, I lie to you not. She said this to me. I went from in third grade to fourth grade, switched from private public school, private to public school. Mm-hmm. When I asked why, my mom was like, I need to put some soul in you. You need my daughter's at the HBCU right now as we speak. Yeah, because she was just like, You came home, you came home saying, Hey you guys, how are you? And I, mean, I was I just like making... Yeah, and she was just like, I had to put some soul in you because I was like, you sounded like one of them. And then when I went to public schools, you learn quickly the difference and you learn. You you better adapt real quick. Wow. <laughs> you better, you better wow. learn. And I think we need to have that conversation about how we as parents, we put our kids in these all-white spaces and we think, okay, it's a better opportunity. They'll get these better opportunities. And I'm not going to lie. Like when my daughter, you know, went from one school, private school to another school, they looked at her application. Oh, she's in that. We, you know, wasn't. A, but the, the damage it did to her, yeah. the damage, when she yeah. said to me, and this what broke my heart to me. You 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 hear me talking. I'm I'm a home girl. We, she said, Mom. Some she said I feel intimidated by some black girls. When wow. I'm in black women, black girls, I feel intimidated. I said, Huh? I said, But your mama black? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's her experience because again, she was in those spaces where she was the only black girl. Like from kindergarten all the way to fifth grade, she was the yeah. only black child in her class. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so. Can, oh wow. So she was like, when I get so when she would go to her dad's house, she was like, they're so loud. She's like, mom, they're so loud, and they just curse. She's like, and I, I just, I'm not comfortable. I'm like, girl, what? Yeah. But your mom black, I'm confused. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I had to tell her. I said, Madison, I grew up in all black spaces. Even though I went to Catholic school, I went to black Catholic schools. I have black friends, so I couldn't relate to her saying, "I don't feel comfortable." Or yeah. when I'm in those spaces with black girls, I don't. I dummy down myself in terms of I just I sit quietly. I don't say anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't engage in conversation. I don't really. Yeah, yeah. Say, I just sit there because I, I yeah. feel so awkward. I was like, girl, I didn't have to do an evaluation of myself. Like, oh, you you messed this, like you you messed this one up. You know, thinking that those spaces away. And some kids go in those environments and she thrived. She did well. She was on the honor roll and all that. But she said, I don't remember much. Like you said, she said, I don't remember much of this. Yeah. She said, 
And she goes to Dillard University here in New Orleans. She was at Northwestern, the school up in North Louisiana was a white, predominantly white school. She transferred. She said when she goes to school and she's talking to her peers, they're like, where are you from? And she'll say New Orleans and they'll bust out laughing and say, no, you're not. You don't, yeah. you don't have the dialogue. You don't have the accent. One girl was like, you sound like you're from California. She's like, no, I'm from New Orleans. Like I live here. I'm from here. Yo, like but again, being in those spaces, being in yeah. those spaces. Yeah. She's, yeah. Her name is Madison. She said she, you know, go on an interview and they look like, oh, are you? Oh. That's the sad part. <laughs> she worked at Starbucks and she said that late, people would tell her she had like her name tag Maddie. Is that your name? She's like, my name is Madison, but they call me Maddie. That's interesting. Yeah. She's like, it's yeah. What, what is my name supposed to be? I'm like, Maddie, I'm sorry. Yeah. Look, I'm like that. It's real. It, and I say this right now. I'm going to say this and I'm going to move on. Okay. I wish, I really do wish that I gone to an HBCU when I went to college. I really did. I didn't. I went <laughs> to, <laughs> people going to laugh and it's cool. I went to DeVry University. Okay. In Virginia. Oh, okay. And so what made you choose a piece? Like, what made you choose, you know, what made you? So I say this really, it's funny. I actually had a chance to go to HBCU. I had a chance okay. to go to Morgan State University. Mm-hmm. And that's in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't apply. They accepted. I said, you are accepted Morgan. I didn't apply, but whatever. But, um, but then as I also went to the University, they also accepted me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And my mindset at the time, which was really not smart, I was like, all my high school friends are going there and I don't want to be like a high school reunion at the HBCU. I'd rather do something yeah. different. Yeah. But in my, in all honesty, I honestly wish I did go. I did. And that's something I want to, you know, extend to my son. Is just, and someone said this, it was a meme that said, you will have your adult, in your adult life, you will deal with different races. Right. Take your early year mm-hmm. and spend it with your own culture. And when I heard that, I was like, I wish I did. I so agree. That's something I, I, that's something I wish I had done. That's I agree. Look, I agree with you totally because, like I said, she was at a PWI. She had a mental breakdown. Like wow. she was at class of 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. So she didn't get her prom. She didn't get her senior. She didn't get any of those things. So she went straight into virtual. And then she went to the to that college and she was in a dorm by herself because they didn't have the shared dorms like you know this person in the same room so she had her suite her roommate had her bathroom they, she had her bathroom they didn't have they didn't have to interact and so you know this generation they don't they don't talk they text like i'm like what are you doing um you know they'll be in a room with each other just texting like what the yeah so when she went to she went to dillard i graduated and i was like girl look you need some pepper because um this ain't it like yeah. this is not it and she left to come home one weekend and her roommate called her and was like oh maddie where are you she was like oh i came home to visit my parents she was like you don't just leave and not tell me where you're going she was like i never experienced that yeah she was like, that's she was real like, she's like i feel like they care <laughs> that's real that's so real it's like yo where like, you going was like send me your location i need you need to keep this location on until we graduate <laughs> i need to know where you are 
I said, but that's a part of the experience. She yes. never experienced that. She said, and I feel so welcome and I feel so just, she said, the instructors, like she said, they're just so, she said, it feels like family here. Yes. I said, you know, and that's what she needed. Yeah. Now, like I told her, once you finish and you want to go somewhere else, you know, then you branch off, but you need, you need this experience because she's been in those all white spaces for so long. You I know? agree. I agree with that. And Rip, I want to say, like in the story you said earlier, going back, you said for your mom, you had to extend grace. What did that look like for you? And how did you extend grace? So extending grace means to understand as a mom now that my mother didn't have the ability. And people, I think so many times people, even us, like they think parents are superheroes. You know, they think that we don't have feelings and it's all about, you know, everybody's parents isn't toxic and everybody's parent isn't abusive. Some parents are, but Grace looks like this. What do I want my children to say about me when I die? Yes. When I'm gone? Yeah. What do I want my children? What, what will my legacy be? Will my legacy be that I was mean and I had a heart and heart and I was bitter and I was abusive? What will my legacy be? Yeah. So they send the grace to my mom. Because let me tell you something. Even my mom was abusive, my mom broke generational chains that I and my sister and my children would be benefiting all for years to come. My mom left home at 19 with her baby. She never went back. Like yeah. my mother said, you will not be a woman who you marry somebody to take care of you. No, you will be independent. You will be a partner with a husband, not just a wife, you know, my grandmother, my mother didn't have the best relationship. So my mother worked diligently to try to make sure we had a decent relationship. Yeah. And we were close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about, even though she had her issues and her hangups, she was a person <clears> that <throat> she was never above change. Yeah. So when things were brought to her attention, even though my mom grew up, she was born in 52, when things were brought to her attention, she would acknowledge it. Yeah. She would say, you know, I know I was abusive. I know I didn't do the best. And I know that wasn't the best move. I know I shouldn't have done these things. But a lot of us stuff, a lot of us, we don't do that. Yeah, I agree with that. A lot of us, we don't, a lot of us, we don't do that. So extending grace to her, to my mom is, I mean, you would have to understand my family dynamics. Like my family, my mother's family were fear mongers. They were heavy Catholic in the church. You can't go here. You can't do this. You can't. And my mom bust out of there and was like, I'm out. Yeah. Like, you will yeah. not control me. My family was very controlling with money. You will not control me. Like, I cannot stay here. Yeah. You know, and I look at some of my cousins, and I'm like, they literally can't function. They have husbands that they cannot function. If something happened to one of my uncles today or tomorrow, my aunt wouldn't know what to do. She has never paid a bill. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't know how to pay a bill. Yes. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. No, it, it makes perfect sense. It's just sad that it's sad that we kind of, for lack of a better term, cripple ourselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? well, no, we do. We cripple ourselves. I'm listening. And it's all good. And it's sad that we do that because it's whether it's intentional or unintentional, we cripple ourselves in some way or our loved ones cripple ourselves. You know what I mean? And it's, it, it's sad. It really is. It really is sad. 
And I also think what helped my mom too, you know, you speak about this, my mom started working at a mental health agency. Oh, wow. So my mom, yeah, so my mom worked for a mental health agency. She started working at this agency when she was in her 50s. And then that opened up a lot of a lot of things in her eyes. So she would talk to these clinicians about her experiences and, you know, they would talk to her. And so she was able to recognize some of these things, you know? Okay, got you. So, and so I think I think also I think that helped. I think that helped a lot for her to recognize some of the things, some of the behaviors, and some of the things that she had done. Um, and then my sister, she's in the mental health field. I'm a social worker. My daughter's going to school for psychiatry. She wants to be a trauma therapist. Uh, so we are a woman, women of helpers. Mm. You know. Yeah. But you also have to be able to regulate that, you know? Yeah. And that's crazy. <laughs> I want to say this. You said something that was key. You said for, forgiveness is not an excuse. And it's funny you say that because at the end of every episode, I say that I say this as part of what forgiveness means. It says, I say it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse for or enabling someone's behavior, but it's not letting what that person or people did hold you back or keep you from being or grabbing all that God wants you to be and has for you. That's what that. that's what forgiveness that's what forgiveness I is. I love that. So I love that. another thing is like you got something that a lot of people did. You got the sorry that I know a lot of people wish they had. Yes, yes. So what did that do for you? Talk to me about that one. So this is what I will say. Parents died, you know, my mom died and my mom was only 66 years old. My mom was young. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that stress took my mom out early, um, but the cigarettes didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> the cigarettes did not help i think that my mother later on in life became like the matriarch of the family right yeah. so my mom was the one who she would get down and dirty she would come to your house you know my mom was the person that they would call as she got older when their children were acting up and she would go and do what she do um and i think that that affected her health yeah I, I, I really think that affected her health and to watch my mom like lose her independence. There's nothing, there's, there isn't anything like watching somebody you love die. It's the most painful, hurtful experience. And when I say that my mom died at home, so my mom never went into a facility. My sister and I took care of her 24 seven. Um, my sister was in school in London. She graduated, got her master's and she came back and she just, it just so worked out. It just so happened to work out that I had to, I, we had to take care of my mother. To watch a woman be so strong, so independent, you know, my mom was the person who would be outside cleaning out her gutters, cutting her grass. I come to the house, she on the roof, girl, what are you doing? Oh, girl, I'm be cleaning these gutters. To watch her go from that to somebody who couldn't even hold her head up to, to eat. Wow. Yeah. My mom was a heavy set New Orleans woman. Heavy set New Orleans woman. I'm <laughs> like, oh, girl, you fine. Thick, you know, it wasn't yeah. just like, oh. My mom, when my mom died, my mom was like 97 pounds, maybe 94, 95. Wow. So okay. to watch that, to yeah. watch my mom, who was a person who, see how my, I, I made up, my mom was like that every day. 
You know, I told you my mom we had to dress up. My mom was all yeah. about don't go out there looking crazy. Oh so I tell my people gosh. all the time, these bonnets, I don't understand it because I'll come from a different time. I'm not yeah. judging you. I just come from a different time, baby, where you had to put you had to, you had to look decent. So to watch my mom go from this beautiful woman to this shell of a woman, the shell of a person. Yeah. When I'm literally asking God to just take her. Like this, wow. is, this is too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's too yeah, much. Yeah. It's like that antis- they call it anticipatory grief. Like I was like, God, you need to okay, you need to take her. Because this woman here, I don't know who this person is. So to watch my mama go from that person, this vibrant woman working you know, grandma taking care of her grandkids. You know, she was a she was a weekend grandma. She gonna get the kids, help you and do all those things to somebody who we had to literally take, do everything for her. And there is a sense of her losing her dignity, her independence. My mom will cry. She would say, I'm so sorry, y'all. I'm so sorry that, and we would say, you know, I always tell her, this is an honor. This is a, this is an honor. Because when, and my, mom, my mom was funny. She would be like, before she got really, really sick and we would be in here talking. She's like, girl, you're going to have so many good memories. We would do little silly things. She was like, girl, you're going to have mem- you know, good memories. And so I hold on to that. I hold on to those conversations. But I also hold on to the fact that I was so blessed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so many people out here, because I had a friend who my mom died in October. His mom died in February, my best friend. He didn't get the opportunity to even see his mom. She had a brain aneurysm and she died. Oh, Right. Yeah. 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 So he didn't get married. He didn't have children. So it's a lot of guilt around mm-hmm. that. There are so many people talking, you know, we talk about forgiveness. There's so many people walking around looking for that apology that's never coming. And that's yeah. why I tell people, I tell people the way you have to, you have to, there's somebody that you love that's still here. You need to try to talk to them. Yeah. Because when my mom died, I didn't feel, you go through the grief process, you go through all that, but I never once felt we had anything unresolved. I never felt like, you That's know, it. And to be honest with you, like, I, you know, and I'm not being funny. We got that TV moment. We got that everybody around the bed, her three yeah. kids are around yeah. her bed. Cause my mom, yeah. people wanted to come and see my mom, but she had gotten so small. She was like, I don't want them people to see me looking like this. Yeah. So she's like, I'm on my way out of here. So we got that TV moment where my mom talked to me. She talked to my sister. She talked to my brother. And the night my mom died, I called my brother and I said, this is the, tonight the night. She, I said, she's not going to make it to the morning. And my brother said, okay. And my sister was going in and out of the room and her, 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 her breathing was changing. And I told her, I said, she's not going to go until we are all gone out of this room. My brother was somewhere. He came inside. He opened the door. And he said, she closed her eyes once he opened the door. Wow. So, you know, we got that TV moment. Yeah. We did. And so many people don't. And my heart goes out to them. My heart extends out to them. So with that in turn, made my dad come to us and start talking to us about the things he was sorry about and the things that he did and how... He regretted the things he did to my mom. Now, my dad is alive and well, but I'll never forget when my dad went in the room to talk to her because they were friends. Like, even though they got a divorce, my dad would be at the house for Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, 
All of that. I'll never forget my dad was wailing. My dad, I never saw my dad, I never heard my dad cry like that. Yeah. Yeah. He said, Your mother, even though we went through a lot, she was my friend. Yeah. She was my friend. And even after my parents divorced, I don't know if it's a New Orleans thing, he would still call my mom his wife. He would be like, Oh, where my wife? Oh, I came here to see my wife. Now my dad got a whole girlfriend, they're living together. Um, you can always be my wife. Even though my parents, you know, my dad went through that drug phase, got off of drugs, you know, now he's this health fanatic. Yeah. <laughs> be healthy. But with my dad, I've got to have that conversation with him too. And I yeah. just think it's important. And that's what helps me sleep at night. That's what helps me even when I'm crying, I'm missing my mom. That's what I have to hold on to. And she, you know, she would say, those are the things I want you to hold on to the memories. I want you to hold on to these conversations. I want you to hold on to what I'm saying to you. I don't want you to, you know, one thing my mom said to me, don't come to, when they, when I die, and she would joke, they said, girl, that might be tomorrow. <laughs> she would be like, when I die, don't come to my grave. You've given me my flowers. You've been the best daughter that I could ever want, imagine, pray for. She said, so you don't have to come and see me because I'm not going to be there. So again, you know, I've had those climactic experiences. And that's what helps me. That's what gets me through. That's what that grace we talk about, that forgiveness, is parents are imperfect people. They don't always get it right. And I'm not saying you got to go around, you know, in the days with your narcissistic mom or your bipolar parent that you just cannot get along with. And you know, they have a mental health disorder, but you're struggling with it. But what I am saying is try to extend a little grace. Try. Try. And I know, you know, today's society, you have so many people talking about trauma, 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 and I don't ever want to dismiss anybody's experience. I really don't. Like I said, I experienced abuse. And the amount of abuse, the amount of abuse my sister said to me, she was like, Stacey, I know you're telling the truth. She said, because when I was talking to mom, because my sister was my mother's sole provider for care, like three months before she died. She said, she talked about it. She said, so for you to come back and tell me this, I was like, why? Well, she said, I know you're not lying. I said, what I got to what I gotta lie about that? I was sick. My mom, and I'm going to wrap it up, but my mom beat my brother's fast. My mom beat my brother so bad one time, I peed on myself. Watching it. <sighs> So tell me that's not trauma. Tell me that that's is not trauma. traumatic. That is very traumatic. Like that's. Right? So I'm seven, he 14. Tell me that's not, cause you know, we siblings. Like we, I love like he's my big brother and I would see the things that my mom would do. And it just, I was like, I would never do that to my children. Yeah, I see that. You that's know? Crazy. That's wow. So <laughs> I wanna, there was, Something you said off of that off of that vein, your mom said you're the mother I always wanted to be. Now, what did that do for you? It made me feel like for a moment that girl, what window you what you looking at? <laughs> girl, who you talking about? Girl, who you talking about? Like, no, seriously, because I would tell her. And that's the one thing that I worked on too, like taking compliments and taking when people give you compliments, right? I would be like, girl, I'm messing this up every day. Like, I feel like my kids are crazy. My daughter's in therapy. Um, you know, on a personal note, my daughter tried to commit suicide twice. So it's like, girl, but then like my mom said, but 
you've been there for her. You provided her with the resources. You're yeah. supportive. You're not so caught up in the chaos that's going on around you like I would have been to recognize. Yeah. To recognize that, hey, because before the suicide attempt, I knew something was wrong. I knew it. I would ask her, hey, you know, those kids, I tell people all the time, pay attention to your children. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You always let them in their room, they're on their phones, and I'm not, you know, you, I knew, like, something in my spirit told me something, like, was wrong three days before the first attempt. I'm like, she's just not herself. Like, she just, she's done a whole 180. I don't recognize this child. And so, like, you want to talk to me? No, mom, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then, I'm, you know, my mom said, I would have never recognized that. She said, I would have never seen it. She said, because I'm so much, she said, I would have been so much in survival mode. I got to pay bills. I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do that. She said, but you were so in tune to, even though you have a career, you have a husband, you, got, you were in tune to know something's wrong, something's not right. I just couldn't put my finger on it. So when you talk about, you know, you talk about that, what it looked like to me, it's like, mom, I'm messing this up. I feel like I'm messing this up. But for her to say, but you recognize things that I would have missed. Yeah, that's great. Right? So the way that, so when when it happened, of course, I'm like irate. I'm crying. I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, what is going on? What You know, I'm asking the therapist. I'm like, you know, because my husband's a stepdad, I'm like, did he molest her? Like, what is going on? Like, I need answers. Like, y'all need to tell me what is going on, right? And so the therapist's like, no, that's not it. The main thing is a lot of our kids are lacking coping skills, healthy coping skills. Yeah. So in 2018, my daughter's grandfather, the paternal grandfather died, who she was really, really close to. And then 2019, my mom died. Yeah. So that was in her junior senior year of high school. So she didn't, you know, we had our memories of high school. You probably can rattle off some things that happened. I was in the middle of a pandemic and my grandmother died. Yo. Yeah. 2018, um, she started a new school and then her grandfather died in July. She started school in August. In 2019, she started school in August. Her grandmother died in October. I had never experienced that amount of debt at that age. To be honest with you, I'm 43 years old. My mom was the first person that was close to me to die. And I'm 43. So I, so, so again, the, the coping, the let's talk about this, you know, that she lacked. She didn't have it. Even though I'm asking, you know, Maddie, you want to talk, Maddie? You think you need first thing? You think you need grief therapy? No, I'm fine. But to have a child, to go through that. Yeah. Yeah, I tell people this ain't for no punks. You, this ain't for no. You know this, this is not for a parent that I'm sick of it. This ain't for that. That's the you one know? thing. Like marriage and being a parent, it ain't it ain't for the weak. It's not. I tell, it ain't so for the weak. Y'all want to be on Instagram taking these pictures, talk about girl. I'm like, since the real work ain't even started, ma'am. Let's talk about, there was this video, I, I find it, it was hilarious. It's a video where this, this woman is trying to take pictures with her kids and her kids are just wilding out, wilding out. And the mom was like, can you shut up? And then they just all just smile for the picture, right? They smile the picture, it's perfect, right? Yeah. And then when the camera all, the little the daughter's they like, the daughter's like this, she's like, just mm -hmm. roll. I, I was like, I heard the eye roll when she did that. Right? And right? it's funny, like, like, like people 
will flex for the gram. They'll flex for social media. It's like behind the scenes. There's there are a few people who will be real with people real on on social media about their marriage. But you know what I mean. But there are some people who will be like the pictures look good. I was like, but do you know the pain that y'all went through? We went y'all went through for that. I and that's the thing. Like when you're trying to be honest with people, they're like, well, maybe you just you know social media is so judgy. Maybe you shouldn't be married, sweetheart. I'm not. I didn't divorce this man six times in my head. I didn't. I, when I laid out with him, he's snoring like a damn bus off. I have killed him, buried his body, and told his mama, oh, girl, I'm sorry. <laughs> girl, I'm sorry. What happened? I suffocated your son. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, then, and then after you suffocate him, you're going to be crying, talking about, can I go play in the funeral? Like, that's what marriage is. Like, it's literally, like, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days, but I think so many society has made it seem like every day is a good day, and I talk about that on my social media. So what you going to do when your husband depressed? What you going to do when your husband is suffering with past childhood trauma that he's not dealing yeah. with? He's yeah. not communicating that to you. What are you going to do when, you know, it's not every day you're going to get flowers. Some days you're going to be picking up nasty socks off the floor and yeah. wondering what happened to your life. Yeah, I know. I'm be honest with you. I know there are times my wife has body slammed me in my in my in her head so many times. She probably knocked me out a couple of times in her head. And you know what? I still love her. I and still that's love the thing. Like even even with my husband, he's like, you get on my nerves. I'm like, you get on mine too. We get on each other's nerves. That I mean, but you have to have these honest conversations because after the wedding, everybody go home. You gotta live just with that person. It's just y'all. That's it. And then when you start introducing little people into the mix, you sitting up at three o'clock in the morning breastfeeding a baby and then... <laughs> and she's sitting there saying, I could just choke him to death and get away with it. I would. She, she did. I'm she said, she's like, yo, I hated you when you did that. I'm like, look. I... And then get up and say, oh, I'm so tired. That's the exact conversation we had. Like, I'm sorry, I'm tired. She looked at me like, you don't think I'm tired? I'm like, that was the wrong word. I'm not going to say that word ever. I'm like this, hell over my head. Tired from what, sir? I'm sorry, what are you tired from? Sleeping? But no, you know, and I think we need to have these honest conversations, but we don't. I see that I get on social media and then when I say, say like, you know, Marriage is challenging. Marriage is yes. hard. Marriage isn't easy. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work because you're changing. That person changing. You're evolving. That person evolving. People are dying. Parents are dying. Parents need care. Yeah. So what do you do when your husband or wife, mother is sick? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's Ooh, the vows. Yeah. So that's if, the vows. That's the. And so what does that look like? Oh, she can't come stay here. But that's the what do you Yeah. But but your but 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 your mother here every weekend. What what do you mean? Yeah. Are you gonna do that? You know, are you going to and I tell people that, you know, I I did it, my sister and I we did it, we took care of our mom, I would do it a hundred times over. I know it's not for everybody. Yeah. I know it's not for everybody. Cause yeah, it's hard. Facts. Yeah, that's facts. Cause it literally it put a strain on my marriage. That's yeah. it's hard. It is. I agree with that. Yeah. I want to say this. Um, hopefully this will encourage you and a lot of people listening. I remember you said that, you know, on the you look good on the outside, but in the it's like you out here fighting demons. 
And I want you to say, and I honestly, it honestly, this really blessed me because I was like, dang, because there was a video I saw just like, I don't want people to think just because you're a Christian, you're not supposed to struggle. You're not supposed to fight. No, 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 that's real. And I wanted to say this. It was John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, these things I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He didn't promise us an easy life. He didn't say that you're going to be problem free. He said, you're going to have these problems. However, since you are in me and I've overcome, therefore you will overcome and have overcome. So yeah, I want to say, I want to ask, so how did, so how did you get to the point of forgiveness? How did you get there? I was tired of having so much tension in my neck, not being able to sleep, being angry and just snipping at everybody. Yeah. Um, hating my husband. Yeah. Not wanting to be around my children sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, suffering with insomnia really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, thinking, oh, you know, the I need to go to the chiropractor. This no, it's a lot of things that you are holding on to. Yeah. That's causing you to gain weight. Yeah. That's causing you to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was tired of being tired. I was tired of just skating through life and not feeling my best self. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I realize like, um, and I do that. Like I, I I know that. Like I hold in a lot of things and it manifests itself in other areas of my life. Yeah. So at one point I had to have a biopsy done because I had some nodules on my thyroid. Wow. Um, at another point I was on all different type of antidepressants, all type of medicine to sleep, medicine for anxiety, medicine for depression. And, you know, my spiritual mother who I really rely on, she said, you don't need this medication. You really need to purge a lot of this stuff that is just built up inside of you. Yeah, that's real. And again, yeah. headaches, you know, and I say that people, and then, and, I'm, and then when I say things, you know, I always say this, even on my TikTok, I'm speaking from experience. I'm not telling you something Oh, you need, I'm telling you that I was tired of feeling bad, dreading getting out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, reflecting back when my mom was really sick and my sister was in London and my brother, he was working and he just really couldn't help us with our mom because mentally it was a lot on him. And I had to tell my sister, you need to give him some grace because he's been with her the longest and it's hard for him to see her like that. Um, because like I said, we are seven years apart. So I have a relationship with my sister, I have a relationship with my brother, but they're 14 years apart. So they just kind of like, hey, hey, how you doing? You know, my mom, my brother had helped with my with me so much when my mom got pregnant. My sister, she was, she was like, You on your own, sis. I ain't about to help you raise up because I didn't help you raise this one. So <laughs> and so, but also too, I have a sister who had recognized all these things that I'm telling you about years ago, but never, cause I'm a person, you can't, you can't tell me what to do. I got to figure it out. You got, I got to get there. And then, but I'm gonna come back and say, you were right. I'm not that person. I'm gonna come back and say, girl, I should listen to you. Girl, I, that was, so, you know, to answer your question, I was just tired of physically feeling bad. I was tired of mentally feeling bad. People over here talking about, 
you know, oh, I have brain fog, I have this, I have that, but you have so much stuff that you you are suppressing and you're not addressing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. my I had to poke myself in therapy. And then I had to start making some healthier lifestyle choices. Yeah. Even if I got to wake my son up and say, come on, take a walk with me. Let's go walk for 30 minutes. Well, let's bring the dog and we're going to go walk. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, tell, him, tell, him my, tell him my husband, you drive trucks. You are always gone. I, can do, I cannot do this anymore. I'm holding all of this together and I cannot, I'm not going to do it. So well, let's kind of talk about next steps. You know, so he found a local job. Yeah, but I, what I'm saying is being able to tell people like that conversation. I would have never. The 20 year old Stacy would have never said that. The 20 year old Stacy would have just been sitting there trying to hold it all together, hell falling out, stressed out, eating, depressed, stressed. You know, and as you get older, hopefully, people, you know, you learn to be more vocal, and not. And then also, you know, with husbands, you're a husband, and you're delivering. Hey, babe, we need to talk, and it's not about coddling. Typically, people will receive what you're saying in your tone. Facts. It's your tone. Oh, my daughter told me, she said, Mom, um, when you talk to your therapist, can you talk to her about your tone? Girl, tell me about my tone. What's going on? So that was another thing my husband said. You know, he really taught me and showed me that, Stacy. sometimes you can be a little rough, but that came from my mom. That came from this is what it is, this is how it goes, and it's my way or the highway, but being more intentional to say, hey, you know, hey, babe, when you come home, we need to talk. Yeah. It's something, no, nothing's wrong, but we just need to talk, and being, look, hey, I know you're working hard, I know you hate being away from home, but this is the toll that is taken on me, Yeah. and this is yeah. the toll that is taken on our son. Yeah. So let's kind of have a conversation about what we can do to fix it, or what we can do to um, make it a little bit better and a little easier for the family. Okay. You know? But it's, a, it's your tone. It's your tone. I, I tell people, you get more flies with honey than that vinegar you use in. So real. That's so real. You know? When I, when I found out, when I, when I first heard that saying, I said, it was like a light bulb. It was like, like yeah. a light bulb. It was a light bulb moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, what would you say forgiveness mean to you? What does forgiveness mean to you? Forgiveness to me means that you don't allow that situation to continue to control you because it's controlling you. If you, child, I'm telling y'all, no, you wake up at night thinking about it, you wake up in the morning thinking about it, or somebody mentioned a person nagging your man, you that person ain't even thinking about you. I had the person not even thinking about you, they're living their life. Yep, yep. You over here in the struggle bus. You may not even. You may not even vocalize it. And some people do vocalize it and you're like, damn, she's still talking about this. Like that happened so many years ago. Like, what are we, what are, what are you doing? And then also anticipating that you're not going to get that sorry. Sometimes you just don't. And especially yeah. when it comes from your parents, that's hard. I think like if it doesn't come from your parent because that's your first love, that's your first, the first person to bring you, you know, bring you into this world and to show you love. And yeah. when you don't get it, or the, or the links in that chain is missing, you know, it fucks you up. Y'all, that's why we have all these hyper-independent women who I'm so independent that you would never tell a man, I need you or I love you or, you know, I'm really struggling in this area. And, you know, God put it on my heart to just, you know, I need to talk to you. 
Let's talk. Yeah. You'll never do that. And so forgiveness is being okay with not getting that I'm sorry, right? Yeah. And if you get the I'm sorry, you can't regulate it. You can't, it ain't mean it. That's about it. Oftentimes, people who are still, if you're still in that bitter place, it doesn't matter if they get on their knees and write you a 10-page letter, you're still not over it. You're yeah. still not, you still haven't moved on from it. Now, if you somebody say you started doing it repeatedly, then that's different. But I'm talking about somebody who's coming to you saying, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this. But you still, it's not in the form of what you wanted. It's not, the delivery isn't what you what you wanted, right? Um, I'm dealing with a, a situation with forgiveness and I'm like, okay, that, that sorrow ain't coming. So yeah. you gotta work on, you gotta work on you. Yeah. You gotta work on you. You have to work on you. And I'm not saying, you know, we all, uh, you know, the, the Medea thing, I'm not saying you gotta be in their face and be like, hey girl, hey girl, you pop. Cause I was like, forgive, <laughs> I'm like, forgive me, I'm forgive you, but stay away from me. Just yeah. go on that side of the street. Yeah. Put on over there and I'm gonna stay over here. I agree with that. You know what I mean? I do. What do you wish you learned earlier in your journey to forgiveness? <gasps> oh, hello, God. Oh, Jesus. Which I, what I really wish I would have learned is that I wasted so much time. Yeah. I wasted so much time being so angry. Yeah. I wasted so much time. And yeah. When you experience somebody that died that you love, be it your mom, your dad, anybody close to you, you realize how time is so precious. Yeah. Time is so precious. And especially with this pandemic, it is so precious. I've said to people, I'm so glad my mom is not here for this. Yeah. It's locked down for this. You know, I'm so glad. So it, I wasted so much time being in a bitter place and for my mom I feel like it manifested itself in my relationship it manifested it showed up in my marriage it showed up in a relationship with my daughter's father it, it showed up yeah. it shows up and we don't even realize it like I'm I'm like you know thinking back I'm like oh lord I'm talking to him like my mom needs to talk to my dad reckless mm. just reckless wow just and that you recognize it that's good that's good you know, and also being able to take that step back when you do it and say, I'm sorry. So, like, my husband is just blown away when I come back and be like, I am so sorry. He said, you apologize to the kids. You'll never apologize to me. <laughs> but now I'm actively doing that. Yeah. You know, I may get snippy and I'll hang up and I'll just be like, let me call him. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. This is going on. That's going. But there's no excuse for me to just hang up and talk to you like that. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. I agree with that. I like, I like that. And what is something that you want to impart to the people listening? I want to impart to the people that are listening is that forgiveness is a choice. <laughs> My friend's doing a Holy Ghost crazy fight now. Friend, no, fight I it. literally, I literally just made a TikTok about that. Keep going. Forgive Keep going. So forgiveness is a choice. You have to choose to forgive. And once you choose forgiveness, it looks different for every everybody. It looks different yeah. for everybody. But remember why you chose forgiveness. Yeah. And if you're in a place where you are hardened and you hard and your and your body all tense and you you know oh my, that's stress. 
that's you harboring all that because that's the thing trauma lives in our body that's our that's our that's how we process things and so forgiveness is a choice you can choose to forgive and live not a happy life because you you know life is ups and downs trials tribulations you you may be happy momentarily but the peace yes the peace so my mom is not here and yes. I have so much peace. Do I miss her? Absolutely. I miss yes. her every single day. Yes. I miss her every, there's not a moment in this, there's not a day that I go by, I don't think about my mom. Of course. But you have to choose peace. Yes. And peace cannot be bought. They don't sell it at the store. You're not going to find it on TikTok. And once you forgive, Make a conscious effort to just continue to work on yourself. We all work in progress. I'm 43 years old. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I look at 30 year olds. I'm like, oh, I remember. And then you got the 50 year old looking at me saying, girl, you young. But time waits for nobody. Time, you would yeah. have never told me. Like I sit here sometimes, you know, talk about time. I said, I'm like, I'm 43. In 10 years, I'm going to be 53. And it's the one thing my mom said, you spend your time in your 20s. Oh, you know, I'm getting older in your 30s. I'm old. She said, then you wake up your 40s. Then you spend your time talking about your older in your 40s, and then you wake up in your 50s. And then you do that in the your 60s. So just enjoy the time. But forgiveness is a choice. Yeah. yeah. And you have to actively choose to do the work, because it's not easy. You're absolutely right. It ain't. <laughs> it's not easy at all. I'll be fighting It ain't. Busy. It ain't. Oh my gosh. Yo. Thank you for just being real and honest and just you and just this was my gosh. This is I'm your TikTok cousin that's gonna keep it real. Facts and we need that. So right now, I want to give you the opportunity and space to plug everything doing with you, social media, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The floor so is yours. I'm on TikTok. I am on TikTok. If anybody listening, follow me on TikTok. My handle is at 504 underscore gal, G-A-L. You can follow me on Instagram. I post stories. I post little different things that just come across my mind, inspirational things. Um, My saying is, hey, cousin. So my hey, cousin shirts will be coming out soon. So I want y'all to follow me to be, to look out for that. Hey, cousin. Hey, cousin. And see what you see. You got to think about that. Hey, cousin. The hey, cousin merch will be dropping by the end of this month. So be looking out for that, but definitely follow me on TikTok so that you can hear my crazy stories and my words of advice. And clearly somebody said wisdom. <laughs> I want y'all to connect with her because she's super dope. And if y'all didn't catch that, I'm gonna put the link in the show notes. Cause again, I want y'all to connect with you. I want you to get that merch when it drops. Yeah. I want you to buy 10 <laughs> shirts each for your mom, your dad, your siblings, your own cousins. All your cousins. Get this merch. Hey, okay, when it drops, all right. So, Stacy, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for this opportunity. This no problem. So cool. No problem. I appreciate it. Didn't I tell you that was a great episode? Did I not say that was a great episode? Oh my goodness! When she talked about extending grace, whoo, that's something that we could all learn about. I want to thank you, Stacy, for coming on the podcast, being honest and real and vulnerable with your story. We appreciate you. Again, for all new and current listeners, please leave us a five-star written review on iTunes. It helps the podcast get more reach. We appreciate you. I know that there are times where we don't have the strength to forgive those who have hurt us, 
to do what it takes in this episode and more. We can only do these things with the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins to be forgiven in the past, present, and future. And he rose from the grave to give us eternal life, a relationship with God himself, power over sin, and power over the enemy. If you want Jesus Christ in your life, just pray this. Dear Lord, thank you for dying for my sins and my wrongdoings in the past, present, and future. I confess and believe that you died on the cross for my sins and was buried and rose again. I give my life to you, Lord. Please come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I want to say welcome to the family. This is the best decision you could ever make in your life. Now that you have made this decision, get in a good Bible teaching church who preaches the gospel and message of Jesus Christ. You can look on Google, social media, and even ask your friends for recommendations. Also, there may have been some things said in this episode that may have triggered some bad memories and bad feelings. If this is the case, please seek a licensed therapist to talk them out. As it says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You can go through your healthcare provider, Google, or ask friends who have received therapy for recommendations. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Power Forgiveness Podcast. If you like this podcast, please share this with other people. You never know what they're going through in the episode you just listened to may help them. I also wanted to let you know the Power Forgiveness is on Instagram. That link is in the show notes. You can also leave me a voice message on Anchor. I would love to hear from you. Imagine what it would be like to no longer hold anger in your heart and forgive the people who have hurt you. Imagine finding the career that you were meant to have. Well, that's what coaching can do for you. At Breakthrough Coaching, we connect with people who want to break through the wall that keeps them from forgiving someone that has hurt them and finding the career that they have always dreamed of. If you or anyone you know wants to break through the wall that is stopping you from these goals, schedule a session with us. That link is in the show notes below. We would love to help and see you thrive and achieve the goals that you have. I want you all to have an amazing week. And remember that forgiveness is not letting what that person or people said or did to you affect you, your spirit, your future, or where you're going in life. And that's not an excuse for or enabling someone's behavior, but not letting what that person or people did hold you back or keep you from being or grabbing all that God wants you to be or has for you. Have a good one.